She's not a medical doctor, but she can sure cure your tax problems or your financial woes. She's the how-to girl. It's the Dr. Friday Show. If you have a question for Dr. Friday, call her now, 737-WWTN. That's 737-9986. So here's your host, financial counselor and tax consultant, Dr. Friday. G'day, I'm Dr. Friday and the doctor is in the house. It's a wonderful Saturday out there and many of us are trying to get some things together, especially still trying to work on tax returns. But right now we're really working on a lot of cases dealing with the IRS directly as they back taxes or making um, offering compromises. Remember, I'm an enrolled agent licensed with the Internal Revenue Service to do taxes and representation, which basically means, guys, that's all I do is taxes and representation. So if you are a person that has been dealing with IRS issues, if you're thinking, I don't know how I'm ever going to get the IRS off my back or, how, you know, where do I even start? Because a lot of times you're, you know, haven't filed for 10, 15, 20 years. What does the IRS have expectation for you to do? Where do you stand? And that's where we come in, to be honest. There are so many different things that you need to understand. How far back do you really have to go? What is the IRS's expectation for you moving forward as well as moving backwards? What do I pay? If I've got a little money, should I be paying forward? Should I be paying backwards? These are really, and, and it's different. I'm not going to tell you there's a perfect science that I can say right here on the radio. This is the step, step, steps you're going to take, and that's how it's going to work. No, it doesn't always work that way. What I might suggest for one individual will be completely different for a different individual, depending on how many years we have to do, if there's been assessments in past years, what's the window of collections? You know, I mean, there's CSED dates. So what are those CSED dates? Have the clocks been stopped? The IRS really only has 10 years to collect. But if you haven't started the clock or if the IRS started it for you by assessing you in those tax years, what does that really mean? Do we need to amend? Do we need to just get the taxes filed because we're going to be doing an offer and compromise anyways? So making the right information and then making sure not only dealing with the past, but also dealing with the future, right? Because in the future, we have to stay current for five years. Otherwise, the IRS will go back and they'll say, sorry, Charlie, you didn't keep your end of the deal. So we're going to eliminate everything. So if you made a deal that saved you hundreds of thousands of dollars and and you didn't keep your deal with them, they're going to come back with penalties, interest, and continue to collect that money. So it's important have a plan, have the steps and have someone that's in your corner that can help explain how all this works. Because, you know, it's it's not as simple as just saying, hey, I've got a little money. I, I can't tell you. I mean, people walk in all the time and they'll say, I have enough money to pay the IRS this much. Will they take it? As if what you have in the bank or what you've saved up is going to be the number they want. There's a whole system. How much money are you earning? Are you married or are you single? Is uh, Was the tax debt part of you before you got married or not? Um, and then how many children? 
You know, what kind of money do you have a 401k or in your house? How many cars do you own? Do you have any collectibles? All of this is going to be calculated to come back up with what money can you afford to pay and what money should you have to pay? Because in some cases, it may be more or less. In most cases, people are always sitting there and they're like, well, you know, I have to send my child to private school because of, uh, you know, it's, it's a better school. But the IRS isn't going to take that into account if you're making a deal with them. You know, I mean, they, they're not there to put your child into private school. So they're going to come up and say, well, that is a elective. This is a choice you're putting them, but you're going to pay us first. And then if there's extra money, you can put your child into private school. That being said, if your child has special needs and that private school is a mandate to give them the quality of life that is required, that's a different conversation. So again, really understanding how tax law works and how it's going to apply against you, the individual that we're talking to. And before any of that can be done, you must file your taxes and be current. You must be up to date depending on what your situation is. A minimum of six years have to be filed in a row. And then if there's been assessments or other years that we're still dealing with back situations, what does that mean? And do we need to address those as well? Besides the fact that if you were in business, maybe a fiduciary taxes, or you have some sort of corporate back tax or late fees, um, trust fund fees, these are all ones we also have to bring into the same situation. We have to come back and look at the entire package uh, because sometimes, again, people say, well, you know, the business has gone out of business, so I don't really have any money to pay the IRS to pack taxes. Well, if it's fiduciary tax or payroll taxes, the IRS is immediately going to assess you and basically say, unless you can prove that you had no authority to pay those taxes. In essence, you made a choice. You didn't have your name on the checking account and you didn't have that ability. That's one thing. But if you chose to pay the rent, trying to keep your business open and not pay the payroll taxes, that can be a problem. So it's how it's approached. It's how it's put together. And it's making sure that you have addressed all of the issues when you're doing this. I've had one that came in recently where they had been doing some of their own negotiating and didn't realize that they had to be a current. So they had the offer and compromise brought back in, which is why they came into my office. And they were just trying to make a deal for the one year that the IRS was collecting on, not for the entire time period that they didn't have taxes even filed, not even knowing if they actually owe money or not. They were just trying to deal with the one issue that they, they saw in their, in their way. Um, you can't do that. It, it is an entire package and process, and you need someone that can at least help you through that process to make sure, and this is not a fast process. I mean, from the moment you probably meet with us to the hope that the moment that everything goes relatively smoothly, you're looking at at least a year of, of working together, just trying to get back taxes filed. Then they have to get posted. Then we have to open up the negotiation for either an offer and compromise, partial payment plan, payment plan, um, or the ability to delay while you're in the process of trying to get a loan or a second mortgage, and then getting all that, and then possibly some penalty waivers that we'll be able to follow up with once we have the taxes and assessments have been done. Those are the basic steps, but each person's going to be a little different. So if you've got questions, of course, it's tax time. We're still working on 2022. Um, so keep that in mind that if you haven't filed your 2022, hopefully you have an extension out there, um, you know, on, on filing the taxes. But if not, uh, you need to file them as soon as possible. If you have an extension, you have until October. But if you um, 
don't have an extension, you should look at that as soon as possible, not waiting to that last minute. Even if you owe money, it, it doesn't benefit to drag your feet to not not have the information prepared. So at least you now know how much money you need. Is there a way of getting that money together? Do we need to merge it with multiple years? And even if you may or may not qualify for the offer and compromise, you can pay, you know, get into a payment plan or even just a non-collectible in some cases. Sometimes people are so afraid because they don't have any money. They're basically without a job. They're, they're transitioning. They're on a fixed situation. And they're like, I can't, I'm afraid if I tell them, then they'll come after what I have. And it doesn't quite work that way either. The IRS is not truly looking to take and put you, you know, in, in, in a one bedroom home and, and, you know, you have nothing to eat or, or anything else. They have certain rules that they have to follow. And those same rules apply to everyone. So if you're in a, a hardship, which is why I always try to tell people the IRS, when they're dealing with offering compromises and things, that's another huge thing is that everyone's always looking for that perfect time when they've actually kind of gotten out of the hard times and they're going into better times. And now they're seeing a lot at the end of the tunnel. And then they're like, wait, I've got to deal with the IRS. And when you do that, um, it's kind of important to understand that, you know, you're, you're dealing with them at the wrong time. The best time to deal with the IRS is truly when you're at your bottom, when there isn't anything worse that they can take or touch. That's when you kind of want to start the conversation. The IRS doesn't predict that you're going to continue to be at this place or that place. They're looking currently, where are you and what is your situation? Now, I've had a couple situations where they feel that people may be underemployed or whatever the situation, but the IRS can't make you work. They can't make you go back into a profession that maybe you got out of, even if you were making good money. So these are the kinds of things we really need to address. So that way, when you're going out and dealing with these issues, sometimes you think about, well, I just got to wait till I get my back on my feet a little bit, then I'm, I'm going to deal with this, you know. Um, but, you know, dealing with it when you're in a bad situation, dealing with it when you're single versus getting married, because even if you're your person you're marrying is not legally responsible, the IRS can't touch them financially, they found a way of doing it because they do combine the incomes. So therefore they can take the person that owes the IRS all their money because they basically will say, well, your spouse makes enough money to support the family. So therefore your money is disposable. And you know, so that can make it very difficult. There are some ways around some of that, but all in all, it you know the IRS is not going to say, well, that person doesn't have any responsibility, so we're not going to take their income into the household and account for it. No, no, no. They say, well, we can't touch your payroll, but you can now pay for all the bills, even though that wasn't kind of the agreement. And you know, and we'll take the money that's disposable now from your spouse because of that situation. So again, one of those situations, you just want to make sure you understand how it's going to affect you. Now is the time, guys, because who knows what the next year is going to be bringing us with the new revenue, people being brought on, more audits, more reviews. The state has certainly, uh, I was just at a, um, a meeting with Tennessee Department of Revenue. One of my clients was going through, uh, we've been working with an audit there, and, um, and they were just saying that they have brought on a, a number of new employees. Uh, to, to help with the audit situation. So again, even the state of Tennessee is hiring. Uh, everybody's going to eventually end up with a, a probably a Tennessee. I mean, if they have their way, it's like the, uh, the personal T tax audits. It's the same situation with uh, 
sales tax, franchise excise, business. They look at businesses that have you know, one, two, or all three of those. And auditing is something that they're going to be doing many, many more of once they get the process down, because it is, um, it, well, let's be honest, most of the time they find errors, therefore they're able to come back and deal with it. So I even have one that's getting audited on the Hall's tax, which obviously we no longer have, but back in 2019, there was one and they're getting called for that. So, um, so yeah, audits are up. Definitely more audits going on. We've uh, been hired for many more audits than we've had in the last three years. So just getting your documents in order, making sure that you have all of your paperwork is going to make your life a lot less stressful. All right. If you want to join the show, you can 615-737-9986, 615-737-9986. We're going to take a quick break. When we get back, we'll get to some of your phone calls and emails. We'll be right back with the Dr. Friday Show. All righty, we are back here live in studio. And if you want to join us, you can 615-737-9986-615-737-9986. I did want to bring up and remind people, Tennessee residents that were impacted by the tornadoes and severe storms back in March, were given until July 31st to file their federal returns. This includes your business returns and your personal tax returns. So if you had a March 15th partnership or corporation, or you had individuals that were due in April or even nonprofits that were due in May, all of them were extended until July 31st without extension. These are for people in Cannon County, Cannon County, Hardyman County, Hardin, Hay- Haywood, Lewis, Macon, McNary, Rutherford, Tipton, Wayne are the counties that they're giving me listed. Biggest one for most of my listeners probably be, would be Rutherford, uh, the Murfreesboro area. You guys all were extended. Even if you weren't affected by that storm, you are still extended until July 31st. So if for some reason no extension was filed, you were just busy or you're not thinking, or maybe you haven't filed taxes in a number of years. And you're like, you know what? You know, you can still make this deadline because you live in Rutherford County. You're not late. You can get your 2022s filed on time, maybe even paid, which will eliminate some of the penalties. So it's, it's a thought. If you don't have it, you don't have to. Um, I mean, in theory, the, the extension um, would be able to be extended at that point. Um, so you could file an extension, but um, just want to make sure that, you know, if you haven't filed your taxes or if you um, forgot to file an extension this year and you're in those counties, it might be a great time for you to think about, um, you know, what can I do? What can, how can I make this work? What can I do to make it go? So July 31st, again, in those areas, also um, some other states were affected. So if you are not from here and you're listening on uh, iHeartRadio or something like that, you might want to check the irs.gov website and find out if you had any extensions that you can take full advantage of because that's what we want to do. We want to take as much of advantage of this as we can uh, to make sure that we're dealing with the, the type of stuff that we can get into. So if uh, if you want to join the show, you can 615-737-9986-615-737-9986, taking calls, talking about taxes. Um, 
and other issues, but the big one obviously is taxes right now. And today really just wanted to hit on individuals that were wanting to, to really just get back on track, right? I mean, you guys always hear all those ads. We can settle for 10 cents on the dollar, um, you know, and to be honest, I always find many of those are um, stretching it, if lack of a better term. I'm not saying we haven't filed cases. I filed cases as low as $25, which is the minimum. I've gotten people that have owed more than 100000 for that. But let's think about individuals and the more of the reality. That individual had absolutely nothing. No home, no 401k, no car in this particular situation. Um, you know, they had no assets and they were living on social security. So there was nothing there for the IRS to continue to try to collect this back money on. But that isn't going to always be the case. And so, you know, if you want, you can get a free consult. That's what we do. We can sit down, give you a plan, it, you know, and, and work with you to figure out what's going to be the best way to get you from where you are now, maybe with some back IRS issues, to basically being able to build your credit, go out and buy a house if that's your dream, buy a car if you, um, I know you don't need tax returns necessarily for that. Or one of the biggest ones that lead people into mind is the children are getting old enough where they're going to have to start thinking about college and college requires FAFSA, which requires you to have filed tax returns. So um, you're not going to qualify for FAFSA if you're not current on taxes. So if if your children plan to borrow or have you know any hope to do much in credit in college, then that'll be something the parents, you guys will have to take care of and make sure that you have whatever it takes to, to deal with um, those, those situations. So um, other things that we have happening uh, here right now is again, you know, obviously it's, we're getting a little faster time for anyone that's trying to deal with an IRS issue. The IRS is, um, is working a little quicker as far as getting us power of attorney and then that way giving us the ability to, um, you know, re resolve or get to resolutions. Um, but everyone or anyone that might be on the net, uh, you will also see where the IRS is, um, is hiring uh, a lot of new people and doing some training um, if you go onto the website, I was trying to see because I know some of the funding got lost, but apparently they have um, some some funding because they have in this area alone, they're taking on about 400 jobs, according to the website. So that's going to be interesting to see if they can fill those new jobs, what they can do. And, you know, but that means the one job they're going to file, guys, you know, it's always wonderful to say you know what, the IRS is going to get more people on the phone so we can get better resolution, so we can have a better conversation. And we don't feel like every time we call, we end up going in circle. I had a, a client yesterday, she called me, her husband had finally called, there was a an old IRS issue and she got on the phone um, with them, started talking to them. And they were saying that there was a tax return that might've been filed, but yet this one was filed late. Um, or, and then it was, it was filed early. None of the dates they provided was the actual date that the tax return was filed, which we have e-file confirmation on. Um, we don't even know for sure what this person was looking at. It was almost like they were just trying to come up with um, an excuse or a reason why the IRS had or had not done anything with the request that this client um, 
you know, had requested from the IRS to do something. So, you know, you, you get on the phone, you get a lot of people in there and then you don't really seem, um, to, to get somebody that knows what they're talking about. And if you do, unfortunately, sometimes at least one of my situations had where they basically dropped the ball, the phone got hung up. I was not able to call that person back. So that was not a good day for me was really making headways. And then unfortunately, now sometimes you'll get really lucky and they may have taken your number down and they'll be able to get back with you on that. But I will be quite honest that that is not the the situation with, um, you know, with that. So if you have questions, you can join the show guys, 615-737-9986, 615-737-9986, taking calls, doing all the wild and crazy things that we have happening. Um, one of the um, tips that the IRS is providing out there is to make sure that everyone has updated their W-4 for their W-2. And I will say, I'm not very happy with the new W-4 form because it doesn't seem like it isn't really taking out the right amount of money. Um, in, in this last year, um, a large number of people seem to have owed money where we haven't owed it in the past, which is kind of funny because 2022, if you have children, you, I can see if you you broke even in 2022 because you had a lot more um, credits coming back to you. And then maybe in 2023, it didn't happen. But um what I have found is that we're having to go back in and not really change the W-4. We're just asking the employer to take additional money out because it's not taking, I mean, we used to be able to go married, single, zero, five dependents, whatever, head of household. And you said married and zero, right? Or single and zero. And then everything was supposed to be calculated out. Now they do it based on $2,000 per child. If this is your first or second job, does your spouse work? These are all questions on the new W-4 that you have to answer to try to get this correct. Be, uh, it just it doesn't seem to be really working the way that they had it planned it. So my suggestion to anyone that has done their own taxes and have found that they are not getting any kind of refund back, they're not getting any information, you know, that, that they're not getting. Um, and you're like, well, I filled out the W-4. It says that I'm married and it says, you know, I didn't take any credit or I took $2,000 because I have one child um, on it. My suggestion is plain and simple. Make sure that whatever you were short this year, and I don't, I'm going to be honest, I don't want you to get thousands of dollars back. It's not, why? Why would you want to have huge refunds unless it's some sort of credit you're getting I would say, you know, like educational credit or, you know, child credit or earned income credit. You don't want that to be the case. So, in, you know, I want you to break even. In fact, if you could owe two or three or $400, there's no penalties, there's no interest. That would be perfect because then you lived off your money. You're giving the government their few dollars at the end of the year and everything is great. But if you actually have either huge refunds 
or you owed more than 500 or let's say $1,000 at the end of the year, then you need to be making an adjustment to your W-4. And again, we do this a lot in our office. And so it may be that you just go in and ask for an extra $25 per paycheck to come out and you multiply that and it comes out and you should have it. We're already six months through the year. So you may need to double up on that if you're really trying to make sure at the end of the year, you don't have to write a big check, especially if you don't have it. I mean, you know, basically owing the government is never a good thing, never a positive situation, but it is one of those situations where you want to make sure you have the money because interest penalties, they just brought up the interest rates in Tennessee. I don't know if you guys, if you're small business owners and let's say you get a penalty because you filed your business license late and they charge you penalty and interest, 13. 13.25%. It was what I was told at my last audit. 13.25. OMG. That is high interest for uh for a state. But I mean, interest rates are what, you know, there it's a discouragement, I guess you would say. But uh, I mean, it went from eight. That's a huge jump from eight to thirteen. Um, you know, on the on the on the scale as far as on consent. Huge, huge, huge. Um, so we're all take a look. I'm not sure if the IRS is supposed to be bringing theirs up as well. I'll take a look and let you guys know after this break. We're going to take a quick break. You can join the show, 615-737-9986, We'll be right back with the Dr. Friday Show. Alrighty, we are back here live in studio. Again, if you have a question concerning taxes or maybe you have a friend or someone that hasn't filed or you you know, just wanting to get striped for this year, 615-737-9986-615-737-9986. The IRS just put out a final reminder for 1.5 billion in tax refunds they're estimating have for unfiled tax returns in June. Um, sorry, for 2019. So they they have estimated there's over 1.5 billion dollars in tax refunds that have not been claimed here in the United States for the filing of 2019. If you have not filed your 2019, the deadline is July 17th to get the refund. So if you filed it, great. If you have not filed it, then, well, you have 10 days. Nope, nine days. Blind by. Nine days to uh, to get that filed and, uh, and e-filed. So see if you can get it out to where you need to get it. So maybe you'll get your refund. That's a lot of money sitting out there that has not been claimed by tax players. So this is what we're always talking about. I mean, how many times have I shared with you guys stories of people that I do six, seven, eight years of, of taxes. And it wasn't that they had money due. They were either just busy. Something had happened. Divorce is always a big reason, uh, anything like that. And then they turn around, we file them and we find out they have a refund after refund after refund. And they're leaving the money on the table. They don't have an IRS issue. They just haven't filed taxes. And in some cases they just don't want to file because they don't, you know, they know that 
they didn't have any money due, so they are fine. But now they need to have some tax returns done. So now they're thinking about it. Why would you leave money on the table, especially with the Internal Revenue Service people? I mean, I'm not saying that any government agent would be an awesome place to be leaving that. But personally speaking, that would not be a win-win situation for any of us and what's going to happen with that situation. So again, $1.5 billion unclaimed. If you haven't filed your 2019, you may be one of them. Um, so you might want to get that filed ASAP to try to get some resolution on that. Um, so, and again, July 31st, it's a deadline for people that have, are in the storm damage, mainly the people in Rutherford and Cannon counties that might be able to hear my wonderful voice and you haven't filed your taxes, you have an automatic extension. So even if you didn't extend, it might be a perfect time to try to get in order everything so you can get that done while you can. Um, so we'll, we'll continue with those questions if you have an if you have a question feel free to give us a call here at 615-737-9986-615-737-9986 in from the email bag it's an interesting question and i will tell you i have had a number of clients try to pull this off and i mean some people are going to say oh i would do it some aren't going to say it all right so this individual decided to go buy a camper they do construction so they bring the camper to the construction site um and they use it while they're at the construction site but they also use it for personal use um they they use it to travel and to to do things so it's not staying on the construction site all the time it is being used personally um, and they want to write it off as a piece of equipment for the business because they do take it from time to time out to the job sites. So I'm going to tell you my opinion on this. My opinion is you cannot deduct 100% of that camper for the purpose of business because it's not being used 100% for business. If you had told me that you bought the camper, you use it at the job sites, you leave it out at all the job sites. So there's some place for somebody to stay, change, shower, whatever. And you find that it's, you know, it's a good use. Then it's, it's a definite piece of equipment. You're using it at the job sites. It is exactly what it's being used. But when you say that you're taking that piece of equipment and you're using it for vacations, you're using it for family use, you've taken it from being a business piece of equipment to maybe a partial possibly a usage, uh, but not going to be a, um, and this is, this is $150,000 camper, just to let you know, we're not talking about some five or 10 or $15,000 piece of equipment. It doesn't change the pur purpose of that equipment, but it would change the situation as far as how much you can do. There is a section 179, and this is the same one that at every end of every tax season for the last 25 years, I have people telling me, um, they call a week, two weeks before the end of the year, oh, I'm gonna go buy a big truck, I'm gonna go buy an SUV uh, because I wanna take that section 179. I know that you guys probably know this because you listen to me, but I'm going to say this again. Any individual that purchases an SUV or a large vehicle for um, work only, and that, that's the first part, guys. If it is a vehicle that you're using, it has to be 100%, 100% for business. It cannot be your personal vehicle that you're using for business. And I don't care if you say, I don't do anything but work. I have no life. I do nothing, but you do. You go to the grocery store, you go to the, 
you go other places to restaurants and different things for personal use. So the vehicle is not being used 100% for business. You use it, especially if you don't have any other vehicle, because nobody works 24 seven, even if we feel like it sometimes. So let me reiterate first, check off. Is this a 100% business use vehicle? You have another vehicle you can use. And it's actually a running vehicle, not a vehicle that sits in your drive. So you think, oh, the IRS will think, well, there's another vehicle. But if it doesn't run, people, it's not another vehicle. Second, is this vehicle necessary? Necessary. So if you go buy yourself out a Land Cruiser or a, a Land Rover or whatever for you know $150,000 or a Tesla truck or something, um, and you are a person that runs um, a local restaurant, is it really necessary for you to have a vehicle like that? I mean, that's what the government's going to ask. Was it necessary to go spend $150,000 on a business vehicle because you don't use it personally? Therefore, it's only driven while you're in business. Why do you need a vehicle to do that unless you have a true purpose, your delivery service, you, you know, you have um, a prime example as most construction guys have trucks because they have to haul things back and forth all the time. They have to pick up things. So the truck is an essential part of earning money. Um, I have the same problem with some real estate because there has been several court cases recently where the IRS has taken the exception that they didn't need a high-end vehicle to sell real estate. Um, many of them have brought Ferraris and, and many things like that. And, you know, do you have million-dollar listings and the people you're dealing with deal with those so you need to look successful to be able to sell their home? That's what the IRS is asking. That's specifically what was asked. And in the case of one of them, the person didn't sell million-dollar homes. They sold homes for two and $300,000. So driving up in a Ferrari was that really going to generate you more income? And was it totally, they wrote it off as a work vehicle. So therefore they wrote it off as if it was only driven for work. Um, and the IRS did win that case, proving that that wasn't the case. So again, it's not that you can't write off your vehicle, but in most cases it people are not using it 100%. Therefore, you can't depreciate. If it's not a 100% usage on a section 179, it's not going to fly. Now, if you want to go lease a vehicle and part of it's being used, you can do a percentage of rental and lease and all of that um, for the work, uh, for the purpose of work. But um, I honestly think miles, especially right now, when mile rates are so high, that you don't have to worry about actually trying to find a, a better situation. Mileage rates are already at uh, an all-time high. So, you know, again, making sure that you have what you need to do your taxes is one thing, but if you don't have that, you know, it's 65.5 cents a mile for, for uh, 2023, that's, that's a pretty good return on your Petro, even for people like myself who drive a diesel. So if you've got yourself a hybrid or a small little car, you'll probably even do better at that 22 cents a mile for medical and 14 cents a mile for charity is the current rates that are on the table. Again, 65.5 for standard business miles, 22 for medical and 14 for charity. Um, if you're itemizing, make sure you don't forget the medical miles. It's so important. I mean, if you're going to, if you're able to actually hit that number, which is 7.5 of your adjusted gross income, you have to 
deduct before you can start itemizing your medical and then you have your your property taxes and mortgage interest and charitable contributions. But if you've hit the mile marker, make sure that you are also putting in your miles for medical because, well, you have to go see the doctors, you have to go to the the pharmacy. Um, and many times you have to, you know, go to physical therapy. Um, and all those miles are countable to help you get uh, through the threshold of doing your um, medical deductions. So very, very important when you're thinking about it. All right, we're going to get ready here to take our, our last break before the end. So if you've been sitting there saying, oh my gosh, I do have a question, but I just don't know if it's going to sound silly. Hey, no silly questions, no stupid questions. Um, if you don't ask the question, how are you going to know what the question is? I mean, what the answer is? I mean, let's be honest. If we all knew everything, then we'd be Alexa or something, you know, I mean, I'm just saying you, you have to be able to pick your, your battles. So if you have a question, pick up the phone, 615-737-9986, 615-737-9986. We're going to take a quick break and we're going to done. We'll be at the end of the show. So at this point you need to give us a call. Otherwise you can call us at the office on Monday. Cause I know not everybody enjoys calling radio shows. I totally relate to that. I did not ever do it before I was on the radio. Still have only done it about two or three times. All right. So we'll take a quick break with the Dr. Friday show. We'll be right back. Today we are back here live in studio. I'm Dr. Friday and we, we have Mike from Clarksville. What can I do for you, Mike? Thanks for calling. Yes, ma'am. Um, uh, my grandparents inherited property. It was willed to my uncle, and upon his death, it was supposed to go to me and my brother. But he's. we've all decided to sell it before he dies. Hmm. So we're going to split it three ways. How does the capital gains work on that if... Yeah, it's not. it's not going to be beneficial, to be honest. I mean... Obviously, it may be good for him because that way he has some additional income to live with. But um, the capital gains is going to be so the basis, since it's on his name, it's not in all three of yours, correct? Right now, it's, it's it. in his name. And then when he passes, you would have inherited. Well, I think it's in all three of ours because we've all three got to go to close. Oh, okay. So when did you inherit? When your parent, when, when your grandfather died? Yeah. Father was- died? Uh, 99. Okay. So whatever the value of that property was back in 99, it'll be what you guys are have for a basis. And since you're already on it, only, only step up we would get would be his share anyways, if he had passed away. So at this point, it's not going to be a huge difference, Mike, but, um, Whatever this land was worth back in 99, fastest and easiest ways, just look at property tax. You might want to get a better appraisal, but that would give you an idea at least. Um, and then whatever you sell it for today, the difference will be capital gains. Okay. And if I, if I reinvest that capital gains into my property now, do I? No, nope. can't do a reinvestment into your own. Yeah, you'd have to do the, the taxes first. The only thing that you might be able to do would be what's called a 1031 exchange. Um, you'd have to talk to uh, a, an attorney. They they do it or closing agents do it. Uh, but you can take that money without paying taxes theoretically um, and invest it into another piece of land. But it can't be a piece of land that you already own. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Well, when this closes, can we come in and see you and take care of all this stuff? Oh, absolutely. Not a problem at all. 
All right. I do appreciate it, man. Thank you. Talk to you later. All right. Uh, and that is one of those questions that we have that uh, often comes through, obviously. Um, and, you know, parents and grandparents, siblings, it's amazing how we can try to make things what we think we're trying to simplify. A lot of parents, for example, will put their children on their home titles. Um, and by doing that, you are kind of messing up the process of the step up in basis. The, the reason you do it, I'm not actually sure. Maybe there's legal reasons. I'm not an attorney at all. Uh, but for tax purposes, you really want your children to inherit your stock, your home through the inheritance process, through the death and then the will or trust, be that uh, irrevocable or revocable trust um, that will happen. So that way it, uh, you know, it, it comes through for, for you. Um, but um it is important to make sure that you have all those documents up to date, but don't put your children on your bank accounts. Don't put your children on your homes or in your portfolios for stock uh, because then you're, you're going to make the taxes more expensive. Um, in most cases, you may not be able to avoid certain things. And I know part of it is to try to avoid long-term care and all these other things that might come along with the price tag. But if you are, I would definitely suggest talking to um, an attorney that does estate planning um, and your tax person, have them work together to find out what your options would be other than just going into the bank and signing over and putting your child's name on your bank account. Did you know I have a Russ Cook, a great friend of mine, an attorney in Brentwood, um, and uh, we've known each other for a long time. And I can remember uh, years ago now, uh, I need to get him back on the radio show, but years ago he's on the radio show and he came out and said, do you know he had a case where a uh, they someone had gotten in a car accident or something like that um, and they got, no, it was a divorce. They were getting divorced and the person had their name on their parents' bank account, one of their, you know, uh, just in case mom had put it in there just in case. And that became part of the assets of the divorce because they had their name on that account. So your mother's money in this case could have become part of the assets of an, a, a divorce because the mother had put the child's name on that tax on, on there thinking that if something happened to her, her child would be able to continue to write checks and take care of the situation. If that's not scary for other people, it's scary for me. There is power of attorneys that you can get from the bank. You can get from your attorneys. You can probably download from LegalZoom that would take care of this in case you became incapacitated. Um, then, then your children would have the power of attorney to take care of all of your wishes. There's also a medical power of attorney. Again, you need to make sure you have a financial, a medical, some cases a pour over will or a will. Um, you need to go to Russ Cook or a good attorney that can help you with setting up these documents because we not know besides the big guy upstairs when our last day will be here. But what we do know is that we'll never be able to predict when that is. So that being said, you're going to want to make sure that you have everything in line without putting in jeopardy your taxes because when you do some of those things, you now have eliminated the taxes on this scenario 
where, I mean, even like uh, Mike, they called, you know I mean? Now he sounds like he inherited part of it, his brother and his uncle, but if it was supposed to stay within the generations, you know, it may have been better to let the uncle and then the uncle pass it on to the kids again, not something that you're always going to have full. I mean, you really do want to keep it directly in your own bloodline. You're, you know, directly down descendant wise. And as far as I'm concerned, uh, that's why you want to make sure you also have trust for children that are married, because what would you want? I mean, the last thing you'd want is you pass away. The money gets given to your child. They of course put it into the marriage. The marriage breaks up then their spouse now gets 50% of everything, if not more in some cases, if there's children, et cetera, et cetera. And your money now has been used. If it's in trust, hello, can't be brought into the marriage. So uh, these are the kinds of things you want to think about because we none know what's going to happen. And I'm not an attorney again, guys, but that's the way we want to preserve our taxes. That's the important part of this conversation. Taxes, 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 and the step up in basis and the child inheritance laws. They're, they're trying to mess with some of those. You know, we all know that Biden doesn't want to do the 1031. He really wants to eliminate that, which is um, one that we can use like the gentleman, if he wanted to, Mike could do what I said to him, a 1031, go buy another piece of property in his name and use all of the money. And that way he can preserve that money and not have to pay taxes today. His basis will stay good and he'll just keep moving on. Those are especially business owners or people that are into real estate. Um, many of my clients do 1031 exchanges because it's a great way to take the entire investment and move it to another investment and keep growing that investment instead of having to pay the taxes each and every time that will likely you lose 20% or whatever um, of that money every time. Biden wants you to pay the taxes. Hey, if the tax law says we don't have to, let's take advantage of it. If they change the tax law, you and I will deal with that when it happens. But right now we're talking about the step up and basis and what we wanna take the advantage of and again, this is something you really do want to talk to an estate attorney to make sure there are Medicare trusts and things you can do to preserve your personal funds. But you do want to have someone that's an expert on that. So just put that in there. All right, guys, we're winding down to the last part of my show. Um, it's been a quiet Saturday which is, uh, I guess, good every once in a while, even though, you know, I never really like to hear myself talking. So we'll, uh, we'll hopefully bring in some more exciting topics as we get going here. But if you want to have help with your taxes, or if you're thinking it's time to get straight with the IRS, you can give my office a call on Monday morning at 615 615-367-0819. 0819. Again, I'm an enrolled agent licensed by the Internal Revenue Service to do taxes and representation. I am local. I am going to be the person you're going to meet, not just some phone number with an 800 that you're connected with somebody else that they sell, uh, sell the connection so that some other um, attorney or enrolled agent you're going to be dealing directly with Dr. Friday so you know who you have. If you want, you can also email Friday at drfriday.com. Again, Friday at drfriday.com or check me out on the web, drfriday.com. You can find out who I am. Been doing this for 25 years, been on the radio for almost 15 years here. So again, if you need help, 615 367 
800-242-0819. I hope you guys have an awesome Saturday. It seems to be a little bit crazy with the weather, but I hope you enjoy it. Call you later.